Good morning, Thrive Community Church. How are we doing today? Are we good? That was a lame welcome. How are we doing today? Dang, you all slept in. You should be fine. You should be just fine unless you ate too many donuts and you have a little carb crash going on. I cannot help with that. So, wow, I have to tell you, I'm coming flying high off of a morning service with 11 families on stage and 18 children being dedicated so those children and babies were dedicated, but they also had brothers and sisters up here. We had from the, I, absolutely from the corner over there, all the way, wrapped back and all the way back here, the entire stage was filled with parents and children. And I'm still weepy over it because it's this space of where they're connecting to the church. They're saying, we want to dedicate our babies, our people the gifts of God that you've given us, we want to dedicate them back to you, Lord. And we want to be, and we want to honor you. Like we want to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. We want to raise them up in a household that speaks the name of Jesus, right? The song, that, that Carrie Job song, The Blessing, I can't tell you, I can't not cry during that song. Because that song communicates something that I'm not sure all of you are aware of in the house. It's called the Abrahamic Blessing. The Abrahamic blessing is literally for a thousand generations what is supposed to come down the pipeline from our, a holy God. And so as these families stood up here today, they were basically, they're buying into the thousand generations. We want to be a part of the thousand generation pipeline. And then you as a church, if you were in here, some of you were, but even sitting in here right now, literally what happened as a church is we promised back to them that we would stay in connection with them and that we would walk them through their ups and downs, that we would speak faith over them, that we would speak the word of God into their lives and into their children's lives, and that we would partner with them in raising their children. So that is the commitment we have. As faithful followers of Jesus, we do this together, and we're going to talk about that today. So welcome Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me wake up my iPad and see if it wants to participate. I get to bring up the baton, which was the anchor. That's what, that's what uh, Pastor Chris, or Christian, he's like, it's the anchor. I get to bring up the anchor in our series that we've had. It's a four-part series. And we started off three weeks ago with Reconnect with Spouse. Excellent service. Excellent connection piece. Sometimes feels uncomfortable when you're sitting next to that person, right? And you're listening to the service. How many of you, come on, come on, how many of you feel that way? Yeah, yeah. But we learned a lot about love and respect and that they're vital in building up our marriages and our spouses. So we learned about the, the needs of the opposite sex. You know, Scott and I actually took those points that Pastor Nathan gave and we actually went home, and after dinner, we actually kind of brought the points to the table and basically said, hey, where are we at with these things? How are we doing? How are we doing with this love and respect thing? Where are we at with this? And it was, it's incredible. When we begin to actually participate in actively connecting, that's when it's going to happen. And with our spouses, that's what we see. Can you bring that up for me? Oh. Choosing to honor and move towards connection instead of choosing disconnect. This is kingdom. This is kingdom. As we reconnect to children, Pastor Nathan again gave an excellent message. It wasn't what I expected. 
What I expected was the connection to my children and maybe the wayward child. That wasn't it at all, although that is vitally important, right, that we stay connected. But it was actually choosing to connect with generations, right? We learned that part of our responsibility as Christ followers is to pour into the next generations, choosing not to judge, but to instruct and love unconditionally. I don't know how many of you know that I have a new grandbaby, and I call him new, he's already a year old. I went to be with him last week and spent time with him, and it was incredible. I have plenty of pictures on my phone to see if you'd like the gallery. Because <laughs> that's what it's like. These little people change your life. I, I really, I'm telling you, I didn't understand it and I, until I held him a year ago. And this, this transformation came over me that all of a sudden there was a, another level to our family. You know, when she got pregnant with that child, I said something out loud. I said, I'm glad I'm not raising kids in this generation, in these, in these times. And because of the relationship I've developed with the Lord, guess what? He reprimanded me, Johnny, on the spot. He told me, it is your responsibility to raise that child. He said, it is your responsibility to speak wisdom, to speak love, to grow them up in a household that knows the name of Jesus and grandparents that will cover them no matter what. I have to tell you that this message hit home for me because it's exactly what I had been experiencing in the sense of it's easier to judge an outside world and what they're doing and for us to sit in the church and point a finger. I did it myself. It's not our call. God has redeemed us back from that and he wants us to speak wisdom and life into the generations that have not yet been redeemed back to him. That's our call. And that was Pastor Nathan's challenge to us. Last week, Coach Carter came in, and he talked about reconnecting with God. Coach's advice was uh, to find silence, to sit, and to seek. And the world is full of distractions keeping us from all of those things. My phone is, is definitely a distraction. I have to literally just put it down and walk away from it for hours. I choose to, choose to just turn it off and just walk away because I know it's a distraction. And he hit home with that, right? In order for us to get the counsel and the advice and the peace that we're actually seeking, we've got to stop what we're doing, disconnect from an outside world, and reconnect with our God. And in doing so, this is what he said. We find kingdom where we are silent, where we sit, and we seek the Father. As you see, there's a theme that's been brewing and bubbling, and it's all about reconnecting. And the reconnect or message has shown you a different way than the world's way. It's shown you what kingdom looks like. How to reconnect with our spouses with love and respect. How to reconnect with the generations with unconditional love and grace and impartation of wisdom. And reconnecting with God by disconnecting from the world. Now, let's look at reconnecting with the church. What does connection look like? I'm just going to throw this out here right out, out the chute, and this is the definition we're going to work off of for church. Let's take a look at it. The church is not the building. Surprise, surprise. We sit in, 
but instead it is a community of believers who sit in it. You, you are the church. Every time you show up at Thrive Tribe, guess what? You're having church. How many of you are going to go out for lunch today? Anybody? You, I only have five people going out for lunch. Oh, there's maybe six. I highly doubt oh, there's seven and eight. All right. Guess what? When you take your family out to lunch and you sit at the table, you are a community of believers where there are two or more gathered, the Lord is with you. You are actually a community of believers in lots of different places. The church is actually this, and it could also be your Thrive Tribe. It could be dinner. It's at your home. Isn't that an incredible idea to think that church is at home? Yeah, the very presence of God is waiting to be cultivated at your dining room table because that's what, that's what church is. Connection brings something. And if you've seen it outside these doors, you would turn around and you're going to see on the wall. And these are the, some of the points that we're going to go through today. First thing is faith. Connection to your church brings faith. It's finding Jesus. I'm going to tell you that I've been working with someone for the past few weeks who found Jesus here. They had found that they had been a part of a local church for over 30 years. Did you hear what I just said? They had been a part of a local church for over 30 years. Serving in all kinds of different capacities, they had done just about everything. In, in fact, they'd even been on the platform. But if they stood on this platform today, they would tell you that they were not steeped, or that they were steeped in sin, actually, and only going through the motions and the checklist. It was not until Freedom Conference this last year that breakthrough happened. Did you hear what I just said? Breakthrough actually happened. Repentance and deliverance from something they had been bound with and tormented with for years. But here at Thrive, they were actually exposed to the person of Jesus Christ and his truth. The word of God, it's very interesting as I've... Uh, studied, it isn't, I, I think it's always amazing that God takes you through waves of learning, and he'll cultivate different things. Like you may, you may sometimes pick up um, the Bible, and he'll go with you about his, he might teach you about his sovereignty for a couple months, or he might teach you about his goodness. There's, there's different waves that he goes through, and when he was teaching me even about deliverance and inner healing and freedom minister, ministries, he brought me specifically to Mark, and, and I was always amazed by this. In Mark, if we look at Mark 1, and I do not have that up on the screen because the Lord reminded me as I was sitting down here. Mark 1, 21, it's very interesting. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. You realize the person of Jesus showed up in the synagogue that day. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Like the person of Jesus, the, the very person of Jesus. So it wasn't a teacher exclaiming Jesus. Well, obviously it wouldn't be for the synagogue. It would be exclaiming the things of God, right? It was not a Pharisee, but it was the person of Jesus, all right? Stay with me. 
Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet and come out of the man. And the verse goes on. Do you realize the man was sitting in church? And until he met the person of Jesus, until he met the person of Jesus, was when the conflict came within his interiors, within his soul, that something had to come out. I want to tell you that that is part of being connected, and that's part of our faith journey here. First Peter 1, 8 through 9, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Can I tell you right there that this person that I've been talking about is filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because he has met the person of Jesus. Go ahead. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Connecting to God is only possible by placing your faith in Jesus who paid that debt for your sin, right? That you cannot possibly pay. We've been doing a Thrive Tribe on Monday mornings. It's kind of a small group. We're doing a book by the name of Unpunishable by Danny Silk. Remarkable book. I am learning in waves with it. I'm, I'm thrilled with the revelation that I'm getting, and I recommend it to you. Easy read. It is not a theological read. It's, it's a, it is just a good read. Let me share with you how Danny Silk looks at this. When we betray our relationships with God, ourselves, and others through sin, we incur a spiritual debt. And there is only one way that debt can be satisfied. Either we, you and me, the person who incurred the debt must repay it, to repay it or God, the person to whom it is owed, must forgive it. There's only two choices. I can't pay it back. That is covering the payment himself, and that's what he does. So our sin deserves punishment, but instead, God pays the debt through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And you all know the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in, who, in him, whoever believes in the person that meets the person of Jesus, shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we believe Christ Jesus died on the cross for our sin, taking our punishment and believe he was buried and rose from the grave and is seated at the, with the Father in the heavenlies, we then connect to God personally. The connection happens. Paul says in Romans, uh, Romans 10, 9, there we go. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's one of my favorite verses. You know why? Because I learned it during a children's ministry time. We're going to do a children's ministry version. Are you ready? You think you can handle it? You guys are like flatline. Bring the donuts. Chop, chop, bring donuts in. All right? All right. So here it is. I need you to put your hands out in front of you. Right? And we're going to act like we're rowing a boat. Do you get it? Romans. Do you get it? Ready? Ready? Romans. Oh, you guys almost got it. Let's say it a little louder. Right? Ready? 
Children's ministry time, right? Ready? One, two, three. Romans. Good job. Ten, nine. If you confess with your mouth, oh, you guys are good. Jesus is the Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Woo! Hey, take that one to lunch with you. Believe me, you'll learn it. I'll quiz you on the way out, okay? Connecting to church actually connects us to a personal relationship with Jesus. And when we connect relationally, the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit actually begin to do a work in us. You see, my friend that had walked faithfully for 30 years in the church had not been connected to the place where the Holy Spirit could actually do the work that the Holy Spirit wanted to do. And this is the place of connection. And that's what we find. So we're going to move it right to our next point because when we get connected, things happen and there's freedom. Freedom comes from connection in the house. As humans, yes, everyday normal people, you're all normal people, right? We have actually assisted the enemy in building strongholds. You say, well, I don't assist the enemy. I'm going to tell you, you probably do. Strongholds are actually a belief system that's been built up in you. And as Pastor Nathan has taught you, it comes from a lie, a seed plant of the enemy. And you know what? He doesn't play fair. He does it when you're young. Usually when you're a child growing up in a family, and it might not even be your family that put the seed plant in. It could be outside of the family. That was me. He also will take you at your weakest point. He does not play fair. Never, never, never. And what he does is he plants a lie. And as soon as he plants the lie, what you do is you have a choice. Even today, he will try to lie to you today. And you have a choice as a follower of Christ. Am I going to believe what he says about me? Or am I going to believe about what you say about me, Lord? So when you take the lie and you've actually engaged in the lie, you empower the liar. And what you do is you begin to build a fortress. And you're thinking, you actually build up thinking that actually engages with the lie. And when that happens, a stronghold is built. From the stronghold, guess what? You actually start to operate out of what you believe. What you do and what you say will erupt from you, and it will erupt what you believe. Does that make sense? So Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. This is where we're storing up the word of God, the truth over our lives. The enemy wants nothing to do with this. So instead he tells you lies. Because if he tells you lies, an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Do you see that? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I came to Jesus as a young child before I was 10 or around 10. I, I have a Bible, a little Bible. I went to a little Baptist uh, camp. My grandma sent me. Grandma Stella. Can I tell you, Grandma Stella had 17 kids? I don't even know all my cousins. I'm just being honest. My mom was one of 13. My dad was one of 17. There are a lot of people out there that I'm related to, and I don't know them necessarily. But what I'm going to tell you is the generational thing, that Abrahamic blessing, she did everything she could to expose me to the message of Jesus. Everything she could. And she sent me to that little Bible camp. And I'm telling you what, I walked into that camp full of shame. 
and she didn't even know about it, and my parents didn't know about it because I had been abused outside of the house by my mom's best friend's boys. And in that space, in that holy moment, I knew I was, 10 years old, knew I was before a holy God. And I went to that altar, and I cried, and I wept, and I gave my life to Jesus. But guess what? I still had some baggage to unpack. Because what I did is even as a child, those, those plants in my head, there were lies in there that had built strongholds that I'd wrapped thinking around and I was operating out of. And I didn't let anybody know. I'm here to tell you that this place of connection is a safe place where you can connect and you can let somebody know and they will walk these things out with you. They will walk them out. So I had to relearn, and I didn't do it at 10. I waited until I was in my 40s because I never told a soul, even my parents. In that space of unpacking things, I had to learn how to rethink, like literally. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world. I had conformed to my own thinking but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we connect to a church, when we connect to a small group, when we connect, actually really connect, we learn to love where we've been unloved. We learn safety and trust where we never knew it. We learn purity where shame has been, and it gets dismantled. We learn truth as we hear God's word and allow the power of the truth to actually do the work in us that it's supposed to do. And we learn to forgive others and ourselves as we experience and walk out grace. When we connect to the local church, to the body of believers, we actually connect with freedom. Do you know that this Thrive family is your best cheerleader? How many of you need a cheerleader in your life, right? Freedom comes as an overflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing. The culture being intentionally cultivated by leadership and that same culture being upheld by every one of its members. You see, we're doing this together. We intentionally cultivate we intentionally cultivate freedom, and then you begin to free each other up because you won't allow a lie to be released about someone without capturing it yourself. I could look at George right here, and he could speak something to me, and I go, oh, wait a minute, let me catch that. That's not a truth, and we will, we'll, and this is true, right? We've done it before. And we put it in front of, of God, and we say, is that truth or is that a lie? And in that space, you and I connect, and we actually build each other up, and we take ourselves to a higher standard of what we're called to, living out freedom. You know, there's an entire world out there that's looking for it. Do you realize that? They're hungry for it. Connected believers see with the eyes of Jesus. They see your true self and your potential. They believe in you when you cannot. 
and they speak truth over you, including speaking the word of God over you that never comes back void. If you've not been taught, I'll tell you over and over, literally when we pray the scriptures, when we speak the scriptures over one another, the Holy Spirit is on the scripture. It rides out with it. Like it's undeniable, like the two can't be separated. They can't be. So every time you're praying this word over your family, you're praying this word over yourself, you're praying this word over your neighbor, you're praying this word over the person that's sitting next to you on the aisle. The Spirit of God is on it, and it does not come back void. It does what it says it's going to do. A Thrive Tribe member sent me this this week. He said, connecting to the church puts you in a position for truth to be spoken into your life. He continued, and he said, to keep the desires God placed on your heart fresh and ready for fruition. I'm going to stop right there for a moment, because how many times do we get filled with hope do we get excited about something, but we go to work and we get squashed? We go, to, we go take a drive and we get squashed. Whatever it is, sometimes we leave these doors so full of hope and excitement and we walk in and we, we get a face plant into something that takes us back down, right? Instead, oh, come back. Instead of settling for less as life wears you down, right? Okay, go ahead. Even believers can believe the lie of isolation when church hurts or something like COVID happens. But here's the deal. This Thrive Tribe member said, kingdom is not isolation. It is connection. Right? It's connection. Another one, connecting with my church and family. You have to understand that church encourages and it edifies and it comforts sometimes even with prophecy right the church walks us through our ups and downs our successes our failures all of that and even loves to celebrate with us here is what another member said of one of our thrive tribes connecting with my church and my family my church family fills up my heart with the love i need to survive in this crazy world full of chaos how many need a heart full of love to handle the chaos right as the week goes by, each day the world takes a little bit of my battery life. So connecting with my church family is like recharging my battery. And you're going to love this next line. I got to plug in for as for uh, I got to plug in for a bit so that I have battery life to walk and talk without malfunction. Isn't that awesome? Now that woman knows her source to connect with, and she knows it's the church family. This person also knows the joy that she's filled with, right, and where she found it. I'm going to tell you that um, I have a card here. And this card was sent out as a survey. And in the survey, I'll just, I'll just read it to you. It was sent out to a volunteer or a GO team member. Not here, but at a different church. It says, hello, my name is George Duncan. I've been attending this church for eight years and during the week, I work as a marketing director at a bank. On Wednesdays or weekends, I serve as a, and there's a blank line. It says, on this one, it says, a little bit of everything in the children's ministry. I love serving because the connections I make with people and being able to use my gifts. Isn't that incredible? Right? Guess what? This is my card. I filled this out almost 20 years ago. Literally filled this card out. 
as I was serving at a local church. This card somehow found its way in as a bookmark in one of my books. And when I was unpacking at our home in January, it popped right out. Do you think the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate something to me? I knew what my message was going to be about, and the Lord was reminding me how much, how important connection was even to me. Like sometimes we think when we're a little bit further along, we forget what the past looked like. I'm telling you, I needed connection. And I found purpose and connection when I connected with my local church. I started connecting, when I started connecting, I started to grow and mature. And it was the local church actually where I found my leadership skills, were refined, where I was introduced to the gifts of the Spirit, especially the Holy Spirit, and I was encouraged to walk in them. And it was in the local church where I, let me read this. It was the local church where people believed in what they saw in me before I did. Does that make sense? And as the transformation happened, I began to find purpose beyond myself, and my church checklist. No longer did I want to do. Checklist wasn't, wasn't it anymore. I wanted to be who I was designed to be, who he created to me to be, and I wanted to serve. When you connect with freedom, you then begin to connect to purpose. This morning as we dedicated babies and children, we read Psalm 139, 14 through 16. It's a powerful verse, and if you were in the first service, you understood just the, the power of it on its own. God is telling us that he's always known us, always. It's easy sometimes to look at the children on the stage, though, and point at them and read the verse to them, right? I want you to actually, when we go through this verse, I want you to actually think about you. That verse is also designed for you. You are a child of God. And although you might not have a snotty nose and, a, and cute little uh, sneakers and crazy hair, or maybe you do at home, you have to know that you're cherished and you're beloved. Psalm 139, 14 through 16. I want you to read this for yourself. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame, I want you to put your hands on your chest right here. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's an incredible verse. And it's for you. Romans 8, 28, 30 is going to tell you a few more things. Paul tells us, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know you've been called for a purpose, and it's beyond you. It's bigger than you. It's, even, it's bigger than your core family. Although your core family is treasured and beloved, but it's bigger than that. 
You've actually been called. For those God foreknew, that means he knew you ahead of time, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You are all being conformed to the image of Jesus. This is the glory to glory. That he might be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Look around the room. These are, this is all the brothers and sisters of Jesus. This is literally what this, this message is in this verse. He's saying, literally, Jesus is that firstborn son. And because of your trust and love for him, you too become sons and daughters of the Most High God, making you a brother and a sister. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Ephesians 1.11 says this, In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, all of it, according to the counsel of his will. Do you know your call? Each one of you have one. It might not be on a platform, but you have a call on your life. He's designed you in such a unique way to participate in actually redeeming a lost world back to himself. You're a part of a master plan. This inheritance we speak of is filled with grace. How many of you would need grace to do that? I do. It seems insurmountable. Like I can't, I can't fathom that he would ask me or predestine me or purpose me to redeem a lost world back to himself. I have enough just trying to get myself redeemed back. And guess what? I don't have to do anything Jesus already did. When we get that piece of the freedom part of it right, when we understand that he's already done everything for you to redeem you back. Then you can actually get free of those thoughts and you can find purpose in who you are and you can understand that you actually have a call, something outside of yourself to redeem a world back. I don't even know how to put it into words, but literally, can you imagine every empty seat in this place being filled with those who don't know the Lord? And then with the thanksgiving that you have in your very own heart for what he's done for you, isn't that what we want? We want to bring them in the doors. We want to bring them in so that they can connect with a holy God with the real person of Jesus, and they can find freedom, and they can find purpose. There's a world out there searching for purpose, but it's already been predestined. They just need somebody to love them and to call it out. Show them who they are. Connect to the church. We must acknowledge and recognize the importance of giving back to a God who has given us everything. Salvation, freedom, and purpose. I'm going to tell you in the moments in worship, 
the songs that they chose for worship today were incredible. And they don't, they don't choose them. You realize they don't choose them. The Holy Spirit gives them a download as to what to choose. It's all the Lord's, and he does it every time. He works seamlessly together because it's not about Stephanie. It's not about the worship team. It's not about, it, it's not about the crew back there. It's not about them. It's about a collective working together, a church working together to bring the gospel and to bring a message that will actually bring change, right? In that, I stand down here, I'm worshiping, and we were doing the last song, The Name of Jesus. And can I tell you that it was like a movie running in my head, moment after moment after moment after moment, where I've met Jesus when I really needed him, and he spoke a word over my life. Whether it be in prayer, whether it be in worship, whether it be in a service, wherever it was, he just kept, he was like a reel. It just kept showing me, picture, picture. You met me here, you met me here, you met me here. Look what I did. And I was getting all stirred up because Jesus is enough. <laughs> Connecting to church brings those moments and I would not be who I am today, doing what I love to do today, if I wasn't connected to a body of believers who believed in me and walked me through all my junk. Called out the plans and purposes on my life. Reprimanded me when I needed reprimanded. Loved me when I needed loved. Led me when I needed led. And actually cut, the, cut it loose when I needed to cut loose sometimes to see if I would do it right. <laughs> That's a house of grace and love. It's a house of safety. It's a safe place to learn and be you. Think back to the first time you came to Christ. Think back to when you first walked through, maybe it was these doors, or maybe it was a different church. I want you to actually think about it. Think about what did that look like? You know, for me, if, it was, if I think about the moment at that little Baptist camp, I think about the things at the camp. I also think about the horrible prune juice that they made me drink. You know they used to do that to kids at camp? This is not a lie. Some of these kids in here have no idea what prune juice does to you, right? But uh, the older crowd knows what prune juice does to you. And I'm telling you, they made us drink it at camp. It was horrifying. So I probably need delivered from that. But in all of that, right? But they had to, there were things that had to happen at that camp to get it going, right? Things had to be in place. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that it takes a body of believers to do this. You literally have no idea. Like, you have to understand that we have greeters at the doors. We have people who straighten the chairs. We have a worship team. We have people that are rocking babies right now. We have a sound booth. We have grounds and maintenance teams that do all these things. What we do is we create a space and we cultivate in it kingdom. And from the thankfulness of our very own hearts, of being able to find salvation, find Jesus, find the person of Jesus, even if we've been going to church for 30 years, We find a place that's actually cultivating 
the person of Jesus, like the person of Jesus is present and you find freedom and you find purpose, all that has a price. Jesus, would you grab my, my thing right here? I brought my laundry. You've already heard some of it, right? <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Did you hear that? A little bit of laundry going on. Connection in the form of serving makes use of your purpose. It actually gives back to God who gave us everything. And it serves as an instrument of evangelism to a lost world. Jesus, in one of the most remarkable times of his life at the Last Supper, something most, it's absolutely profound what was said in John 13, 1 through 17. Absolutely profound. You see, Jesus chose 12 disciples, and those 12 disciples walked with him for three years. They not only listened and probably took notes, they don't really take notes, like, but they watched his ways. And in the Jewish culture, this is actually how rabbis are brought up. They are actually, they, if you're a student, you're actually assigned to a rabbi in the local synagogue, and you, follow, you basically live with them for three years. So there's no... There's no coincidence that the ministry of Jesus Christ lasted three years. Because what he did is he chose his disciples, and they walked with him for three years. Not only did they listen to what he said, but they watched his ways. They watched a holy God interact and connect with an unholy world profound. If you can think of it through those eyes, it's profound. And on that night, Jesus did something. Let's take a look. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted, prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So that was all in motion. And Jesus knew, watch this, you need to understand this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. In that moment, Jesus knew that he had all power, all power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. I don't have a towel big enough to do the little wrappy-wrappy. But I brought towels with me. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize how now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And in Peter's sarcasm, 
well, probably not sarcasm, but he just wanted to please, right? He says, no, says Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. He knew that what Jesus said mattered. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, because he knew about Judas. For he knew he was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? And he asked them, you call me teacher, and you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus literally exemplifies servanthood. He's telling them to model him and to serve. He picks up the towel and he served them. And he's telling us to do the same thing. You know, there are pastors in this room. You might be a teacher. You need to start working on your teaching gift and get in a place where you can speak truth. You know, the church needs lots of things. It needs baby rockers. Right now, I'm going to tell you, there's a team back there that's actually worked a double shift today because we have so many children in children's ministry and we need people to rock babies and be with kids. They're serving double time, so I'm putting two towels up for them. You know, we need greeters. Guess what happens when somebody gets greeted at the door? Within the first 30 feet of being greeted, a newcomer, someone who's walking up to the church for the first time, literally will make a mental decision whether I'm safe and whether they will come back or not. Immediately, first 30 feet, you have less than 30 seconds to be the person that, who locks eyes with them and greets them and loves them well as they walk through the door. We need people on building grounds. That's why I used a black one. They get a little dirtier. That way my, my, my towel doesn't get so dirty, right? We need people to change light bulbs. I need sound people. We need sound people back there. Worship team. You're a worshiper? Why don't you get in the game? Do you know children's worship needs worship? And talking about children again, how about next gen? High schoolers. High schoolers. Can you hang out with a high schooler? Can you do the generational thing? Can you speak life? Can you take the time to do it? How about junior high? Right now, there is a gap that we need to fill for our junior high kids. And we need leadership in it. Cafe, greeters, 
sound, music, media, all kinds of things. There's a whole basket of towels here waiting for you. They're not waiting for you out of duty, though. They're waiting for you out of an example that was set before us. Such a loving example that says that we're all on equal playing ground. You know, I didn't start on a platform. I started in a children's ministry, and this is how I started. I visited a church, and I consistently visited, and I saw they needed help. And literally, you know how they have the, the baby gates across the door sometimes in old school before we had the cool half doors? I just remember looking in the room and going, the Lord's like, they need help. And I was like, okay. That is exactly how I stepped into serving in the local church. I've been puked on. I've been, I, you name it. But it doesn't matter. For my heart, it was giving back to something that had already given me so much life. And I wanted to make sure that I could give life back. So let me close with a prayer for you. Holy Spirit, come. We just ask you in just a remarkable way that you, Lord, would show them what towel to pick up. Lord, I thank you for the gift of service. I thank you for the church, Lord, that you allow us to partner with you. That you actually call us to partnership to redeem back a world to you. Lord, we want to be able to give people a piece of what you have given us. We want them to eat from the banquet table that you've already set for us and that we're eating at. And Lord, we bless you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just bring up to them where it is that they could step forward and serve, where they can connect to the church. Lord, I thank you for connection that starts with salvation, that start, then it, as we connect, we get freedom, and out of freedom, we find purpose, and then out of the thankfulness of all of it, we give back to you. Thank you for connecting us to a body of believers that believe in one another and hold your standard higher than anything. We love you and we give it all back to you. And all God's children said, amen. amen.